The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Oh, it's so much better when you win. Uh, welcome to episode 90, I think, 7 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I, I I did look earlier, but it's been a couple of hours now and I can't remember. I, I think I've just about got over the stress of that win. Uh, I'm As always, I'm Jack, joined by KC. Hello. Uh, this one, the game discussion, might not be as long, because in truth, I was working during the game, but... I was quiet enough that I was able to watch all of it and live tweet through the game and all of that stuff. Casey, on the other hand, is a highlights job this time because he was uh, proper, I, properly I watched, working. I watched the first half. I was there for the first half and committed enough to be 10 minutes late to work to watch <laughs> the entire first half. Yeah. Um, but that, it was just one of them things with them moving the game. It couldn't be out. But look, I, I wasn't sure I'd be able to watch everything, but luckily I could watch everything. Uh, shout out to Kieran and Josh for covering the stuff for through it all together for me. Because although I was able to watch the game, I definitely wasn't quite enough to also like write an article and stuff. Uh, but that just shows that Bielsa needed to change his style. We defended like fuck and got a win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Paul Merson wins. <laughs> Now we this was a this was an odd game because in the first half I thought we were pretty good. Uh in the second half we very much weren't. But Leeds won, Burnley nil. Massive result. We'll just get on to the main incidents first. Obviously Leeds won nil up for a Bamford penalty. Uh was it a pen? Honestly, and and this is one of the few times I'll have sympathy with, with VAR and referees. I'm still not sure. And I've, you know, I watched the VAR replay from all the different angles and I'm still not entirely sure whether it's a penalty or not because I think within that split second, there's so many ways you can kind of see how, see, you know, say how play went there, whether it's Bamford knocking it into, into Nick Pope and then getting taken out afterwards or whether he had enough of a touch to, to change direction of it, whether it, the set the second touch was close enough that Bamford still could have got to it. Um, I mean, on I, I can fully see why on first instinct it was given, just because I think of the sheer speed that Pope comes out with and goes into Bamford, and, and I can see why that was given. But honestly, I, I wasn't envious of the referees trying to decide whether to overturn that or not. No, I agree with you on that. Like, for instance, I do think this was a pen, but I wouldn't say that it was a blatant pen. Yeah, like it, I think it was a penalty, but it was one of them where I, I don't think I could have been furious if it didn't get given. Which is why VAR couldn't overturn it because if you're not sure, you have to go with referee's decision. Yeah. Uh, but what I will say is that was a fucking hell of a penalty. It's not, that was a lot more like it in terms of confidence taking a penalty. Yeah, when Bamford stepped up to take it, and I'm not surprised after after his uh, effort against West Ham that, that Click was taken off penalty duties. Um, the first thing I thought of was was his penalty against QPR and and how lackluster that was last season. Uh, but yeah, he, he put that away very confidently. Yeah, it was a proper, really good penalty. Keep a long way, top corner. Um, by the sounds of uh, what Bamford said in the interview after, it wasn't like a Bielsa decision. Click sort of knows that he's not in the best form and conf- lack of confidence and gave it to him. So, uh, I mean, given Click's uh, Bradley Johnson-esque shooting at the moment, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's a 35-yard screamer coming at some point. I'm just not sure when. Yeah, I, it, you have no idea when it's going to come, but there will be one. Yeah, like, like Billy Painter said, their buses will come. Yeah, God, I'd forgot about that. Uh, as I said, first half, all the ball, all the possession, several good chances. Uh, but I suppose the main story out of it after the penalty is Burnley's disallowed goal, 
Was it a goal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of was. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because I, I was listening to Radio Leeds on the way over to work and I think during the break they'd gone around and asked all the other journalists in there one whether they thought it was a penalty, the initial one was a penalty and then asked them all if they thought the goal should have been disallowed and and I think apart from Baron Cross who who may have had his Leeds hat on a bit I believe they all said it should have been a goal for Burnley Yeah, as I ignore the fact that there was a cat pawing up the microphone <laughs> um, go yeah, away this was a yeah for me now I think they went too far with some of the punditry with it where they were saying oh that's a penalty against Melier nah bollocks but I'm also not having it was a foul on Melier. Now, if it is a foul, one of the ways, it is in Leeds' favour. Because when he jumps up, he's not actually trying to win that ball. He knows he can't get there. It's, it's, the closest thing you'd call it to would be, would be that he's backing into him. Yeah. it's. I don't think it's quite as bad a decision as I'm reading a lot of places. I In real time on Twitter, I put, that's one of those soft ones that keepers get. Like I, I don't think that's a foul, but you will see fouls like that given consistently over a season. You do see a lot of it. Yeah. Um, my main, okay. There's two things. The first of all, the thing that makes it really bad refereeing, and the reason why I'm going to praise him like mad. What is he doing blowing the whistle before he has the shot? Yeah. <laughs> that's what VAR is for now. It's like putting your flag up early. You're not meant to do it. So I just want to shout out Rob Jones because he is my favourite referee. I think he is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've had him for five games, one four drawn one, I believe. Yeah, I saw that going round. It was one at Burnley once. Uh, yeah. Leads t- leads two, Rotherham nil. I don't remember how particularly controversial in that. No. Uh, one one at Chef Wednesday. I, I can't really remember. 1-0 at Bolton, that'll have been the Bamford one. So he likes Bamford, apparently. Um, 2-0 win at home to Preston. I don't think there's been any weird decisions in any others. No. Yeah, uh, Jason Middleton saying, didn't try for ball, so for me he's hoping to obstruct Melier. And he sort of is obstructing Melier and jumping into him. But I would say in the same way that, like, you know that chance Chris Wood had at the back post in the first half where we headed over? And Ealing knew he couldn't win the ball, so he just kind of jumped up with him and into him. Yeah. To make it difficult. I think what Ben Mee's doing is the equivalent of that. So I don't think either one's a foul, really, but... By, by the way, up there with but my... But thanks, Rob Jones, you fucking... You're brilliant. <laughs> up there with my desire to see the back pass rule be more stringent, I would love to see more obstructions given. You know, like times when, when players are just watching the ball out, but... Are, are trying to hold a player off a good four yards away from the ball. That is obstruction. You don't have it under control. Yeah, the number of times you see the shepherding out and they're <laughs> like just I know. so far away. Well, I'll give you a yard, a yard and a half. That's it. That You no longer have the ball and you're not even near the ball at that point. But that's yeah. that's by the by. There's yeah. always, I mean, there's always back passes. That's, that's the one that'll get me, but... Yeah, no, but I mean, obviously, this is this is a massive win. I said in the match preview that I wrote on for it all together, I said if we take the emotion out of it, that this is a this was a bigger game than the Man United game. Yeah. Now, obviously, it isn't to me because it's Man United and Ayrton. I mean, I don't like Burnley very much, but it's a different sort of dislike. It's not even a contest. Well, I mean, the thing is, like over the course of a season, if you're and and let, and again, just so most people know our expectations, seventeenth or higher, brilliant. That that's that's our aiming point right now. And to finish seventeenth or higher, you're not looking at beating Man United and Chelsea and Liverpool. You're looking at winning your games against Fulham, against Burnley, Sheffield United, Brighton, and and teams that are down there. Yeah, that's one thing that we have been. And you don't really hear much about it. But that's one thing we've done well this season. Like we, I suppose you'd say the, the West Ham result was a poor one and the Palace one. 
But for the most part, we have beat the teams that, even though a lot of them aren't right around us at the minute, but the ones that you would say will be down there, we've beat them for the most part. Like, we beat Fulham, we beat Sheffield United. Yeah. And beat Burnley today. That that was very important. And if we do that all season, even if we take a few hammerings, we'll be fine. Well, I mean, just, just looking at the league table now and... And the only team below us that have still got to play or that have got a game in hand is Burnley and Newcastle have got a game in hand on us. Um, but we are right now, uh, what are we? We're nine points ahead of, rele- of the relegations of, of Fulham. Yeah. Perfect. It's a, ni- it's a nice cushion. There's a few teams in between us there. Um, still ahead of Arsenal, which is a nice little bonus. If you'd have told me at the start of the season we were going to finish above Arsenal, I'd have thought we'd have had a brilliant season, but it turns out you just need to have a mediocre season to finish above Arsenal. Yeah, but um, they're still battered Lampard's lot, didn't they? Yeah. With, that, with all of their players out injured uh, and oh. COVID-restricted and stuff like that, and deserved to as well. Uh, there was a few things that, obviously, there was a few things didn't work today. I don't want to get bogged down in them because we won. But there, there were things that didn't work today. Like that second half, there's no way around it, we were crap. We really weren't very good in that second half. But uh, I thought that our back three, playing Aileen Phillips and Strike, I thought they were excellent through, like throughout the game. I thought all three of them were really good. Yeah, I thought... I thought and, and as much as it's probably going to carry on for the next several months, I would imagine... We did seem to look more comfortable defending set pieces. I, I'm not going to go as far as to say that we look like we've sorted it. Cause I, I still think we're far from well, it. Well, I'm just going. I'll just click this now because I was going to come onto it. Burnley had 12 corners. None of them resulted in a goal. What was it that changed? Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, even in and around the penalty area, I thought you know Phillips was winning his fair share of headers. Uh, like you say. You, Against players like Chris Wood, and, it, and it's one of the one of the few bits of decent commentary I actually thought I heard from Andy Hinchcliffe was, oh blasphemy! I know, I know, but when he's when he's talking about Ailing challenging Wood for that header at the back post, and and, and I love you know when commentators do tell you stuff like that, that you're not jumping for the ball, you are jumping just to just to be an obstacle. Mm. And fair play to Luke Ayling because he, he got the brunt of it. Because I think he, he's, he's squashed in between Chris Wood. Melier seems to hit him in the face. He comes down and rolls into the post. Mm. And then Melier's moving Chris Wood's foot off his face at the end. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I must admit, that was one thing. Obviously, ideal world, I'd love to have been in the ground. But if I was going to watch on telly, I wish I'd have been sat with my dad. Because my dad spent the last two years complaining about Andy Hinchcliffe when we were in the championship. He must have been fucking furious. <laughs> when he <laughs> now in Premier League and he was there again, he must have been so mad. <laughs> I mean, it was a weird thing because when I first put Sky Sports on, the first thing I thought was, "Wait, this is a Premiership game. I love your props, but what are you doing here?" Yeah, <laughs> that's problem when the show fall of them in a day. Yeah, and on the ground. I mean, I like seeing I like seeing David Proctor. I dare say, if you were a Burnley fan, you'd be a bit miffed that because I, I do feel I know he spent some time there, but Paul Robinson is very much associated more with his time at Leeds than he is at Burnley. Um, David Prutton being an ex-player as well. You know, the times when we've not been represented on, on commentary or anything, if you're a Burnley fan, you'd be there going, look, look, the Leeds fans are sky. Look at them. <laughs> I have, I did actually see a few things from Burnley fans where it's like, oh, it's such an agenda in favour of Leeds. No, it's not. Trust me. They hate us. <laughs> I'll get, I will give Burnley, but I don't like them either. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, but they don't like us. Uh, as it back to the back three, I thought Stroke did really well, and I honestly think if Cooper's out, I think Stroke's earned his place now. Yeah, I really yeah. do. I I think that he's in for the next three games while Cooper's out, and although I think Cooper will come back in, it's it, this is his chance to earn that spot because I think he was really good. And in the middle of them, I thought Phillips was man at match by a distance. I thought, yeah, it's because I'm just trying to think now because it's not been that often in in the last certainly 18 months. I can't remember that many occasions when Phillips has ended up dropping back into the centre. Um, I suppose when when we've had a fully fit defence, 
like last season, it, it would have just ended up with a back three of availing White and Cooper more often. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so my kind of vision of, of Phillips as a centre back is still kind of going back to Bielsa's first season around Christmas when he was when he was playing centre back for for those couple of games. Yeah, when we had all those injuries and he was just in as part of the back in, as part of the centre back pairing. It was him. Halmer made an appearance, and Liam Cooper limping through. Because yeah. um, I must admit, co- coming into the game, because you know they said Lorente is back in training. Turns out he had a setback on Wednesday because he is basically Adam Forshaw but a centre back. Uh, I was assuming that Phillips would play in midfield. Click would be the attacking one. Rodrigo drops out. Yeah, and Lorente would be in in the defence, but. Playing as that, I think what suits him well is from playing that holding role that Bielsa's got him playing, his reading of the game has become excellent. Like, his anticipation, his positioning is really good. And because it was Wooden Barnes, basically Ailing took one, Strout took the other, and he was the free man. And whenever one of them flicked it on, because we lost a lot of the headers when it was played up to him, but he was always in to sweep behind him. And yeah. just pick the ball up and play a pass out. Now, that became a lot more difficult in the second half. We couldn't get out with the passing. But he was still always getting on the end of it. And in that second half, he made... I mean, he won a fair few headers, but there was two. Like, really good cross in. And he just got the slightest flick on it to take it away from the attacker. And I mean, like, slight flick, but excellent positioning. And those sort of brilliant headers that top-level centre-backs make. And he made it two of them in space about five minutes. I, th- I thought he had an outstanding game today. Yeah, certainly from what I saw first half, he he looked very good. Um, and in terms of anything on the floor, there wasn't a right lot that troubled us out out you know outside of the Melier. Let's call it a mistake because that's what that was. Um, and and to be honest, going forward, it was it was very interesting seeing Ben Mee making a couple of mistakes and, and Burnley's back, you know, central defenders looking a bit out of sorts at times. Um I don't you know, I think the first replay it showed of Rafinha intercepting that pass in the first half was brilliant because he seemed to be about 10, 15 yards away from the pass. He just comes out and note like if you're, uh, it would I'm guessing it was over Charlie Taylor that he took it from, or, or was it Ben? Me, I'm not sure. Mm. But he just comes from behind them, and have not a clue he's doing it. But he covers so much ground so quickly. Um, and then Ben Me tries everything he can to stop him without grabbing hold of him. But I think as he goes down to ground, Ben Me's there's an inst- there's a moment in his head where he's like, I've got to stop. No, no, don't pull him down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to be honest, I thought Rafinha was going to kill someone when we didn't score from that. Yeah. I said, he he did drop off in the second half, did Rafinha, and he ended up getting subbed off. But first half, he was really good. The uh, the one, there was a couple of issues. Where I'll get, I'll, in fact, I'll save another good thing first today as well. Uh, Ilan Melier coming for corners. Now, he didn't get them all right. Some of them he flapped out a bit. He didn't look all that confident with some of them. But it was good to see him trying to just take command of his penalty box. If he could get there, he went for it. And even the ones that he didn't get cleanly, because there was, you know, a big man-child coming, <laughs> coming out <laughs> to really go for the ball and get something on it, even the ones that looked like they were going to be a really good ball in, it makes it so much more difficult for Burnley players to get a clean head on it. Yeah. So like, but I would rather, I'd rather if you're going to do, if, if it's either stay back all the time or come for everything, there'll be a couple where he gets nowhere near it and a goal happens. But mm. we're conceding goals from corners anyway. So I'd rather he did this and just tried to take command, get a punch on it. And in the last five minutes, he came for like four or five and got to all of them and took so much pressure off because... Like in the last minute, they had a free kick in a really dangerous area that got crossed in. He tipped it over for a corner, and then corner came in, and he came out and punched that clear. Yeah. And he just made because obviously it's a set piece in a dangerous area. I was shitting myself. 
but he commanded his box and actually did something with it. And that's on top of most of his saves were, I don't think he made any saves that you wouldn't expect him to make today. He made a couple of good ones from Ashley Barnes that hit well at his near post, but the rest of them were pretty simple. But he had another really good game. Yeah, he, he seems, despite the number of goals we've conceded and, and the scenarios we've conceded them from, he doesn't seem to be someone that is short on confidence. You know, when it, when it, in well, the I believe it's I believe it's well established at this point that he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the exuberance of youth, eh? Yeah. Um, but no, like you say, mo- there's not a whole lot this season you'd you'd put down to him. Consider- considering we we had the worst defensive record, certainly going into this game. I, d- I don't know what it's going to look like. We were twentieth in the table for goals conceded anyway. Um, there's not a whole lot you'd, you'd put down to him, whether it's poor judgment or there's, there's not been many shots you, you'd think I should have saved that. Um, well, you know, there's a couple, but not many. And Paul Robinson was saying, it was even saying before the game and, and obviously keepers union and all that, but there's a lot to be said for, you know, he's 20 years old and the, I don't think he's had the same back four for more than three games in a row this season with injuries. I didn't see that. I can't remember what it was exactly. And I think it was Chris Taylor, LUFC data that posted it, but I wouldn't swear to that. It was just the combinations we've used at centre-back this season. And because it included stuff we've had to switch to in-game, there was like 16 different pairs and and freeze and stuff. It was yeah. a massive long list. Uh, so just saying that you're saying I was 20. Uh, Nigel Martin tweeted out earlier today saying, you know, people are asking me about Melier. He's doing a tremendous job. Today is what being a goal in the Premier League is all about. And he dealt with it all. And then he set, put up his picture and said, for context, this is me at roughly the same age winning the Cornwall senior cup. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's just to put in... And he's the best goalkeeper Leeds have ever had. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying Melier's ever going to be Martin good, but if anyone's got a chance to be... I mean, realistically, you never get to see how good most 20-year-old goalkeepers are. Not unless, like, you, not unless you're a League 2 fan, you've got one on loan. Yeah. Like for the most part, they are your number two, number three, played in the under twenty threes, and and no, we've got Spider Boy with his eight foot long arms. Yeah. Uh, the the negatives today, obviously, the the second half, I have to say, the whole team we didn't play the ball out well enough. Uh, we had a comment off uh, off Jason Middleton saying. As disappointing, I can remember under Bielsa letting the team that poor boss possession was so frustrating to watch. Now, I wouldn't go as far as to say as disappointing as I haven't seen under Bielsa. I think we have been worse than that. But, Wigan. Yeah, Wigan. well, obviously, Wigan is, <laughs> Wigan is the most disappointing other than the second half of the Derby game Yeah, that I've seen in a very long time. But like the second half today reminded me of that Barnsley game, which again, we won 1-0 at the end of last season where we were playing a team down at bottom of the league who you don't expect to do much, and they bossed the game and just outplayed us. And that's what the second half led today. But the one thing that I really didn't think worked today, again, Rodrigo and Click. I I was going to ask you, actually, what you, not specifically of the partnership, but what you thought of Rodrigo today. Uh, in the first half, he found pockets of space really well. He wasn't at his best with it. Like he had a couple of weak shots, but he was finding space and trying to link up play quite well. In the first half, I thought he was fine. Second half, he was pretty poor. Uh, I, but as was Click, I did. Now Click's role, because of that three-three-one-three formation, he's kind of just on his own in middle of midfield. It is a very, very difficult job what he was doing today. So I'm not going to slate him for it, but there's no doubt about it. He didn't have a good game. I wouldn't. I wouldn't drop click or anything like that, but I would I would be tempted to rest Rodrigo. He hasn't looked the same since COVID. Mm. And I wonder if he's still not quite there fitness-wise. Now, admittedly, playing gets you to that. And 
if there's a team to play him against, I suppose West Brom next, they're going to put 10 men behind the ball and leave Carl and Grant up front. That's probably a good game for Rodrigo to play. But he, he does sort of need to step it up. He had one really good headed chance that he put over, which was in first half. I think the cross was just too high for him, but I think it was too high for him because he mistimed his run. Yeah. Uh, it was a uh, that midfield pair, just them two as a central midfield pair. It just don't quite work for me. No, it's like you say, I think it's one of those where you probably don't notice it when we are on the front foot and, and constantly carrying the ball upfield. But um, yeah, yeah, certainly was. I, I found him to be a passenger in the Man United game. Uh, you know, I thought he was very passive in that. Um, again, whether whether he is someone that still needs a bit of time to to grow into that role that Bielsa wants from him, I, th- I think there is an argument to that. But it certainly needs to to step it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, with with Click as well, like as, as much as as I love Click. I've said to you, and, and it's great that we've had someone who, who has started as many consecutive games as he has. But just start Jamie Shackleton in a game; it's fine. Like it's okay to it's okay to rest players. I'll tell you what he he did quite well when he came on today. Did Shack? Uh, it was because it was back to the wall. Back to the wall. There was a few nice touches, a couple of nice passes, but it was mostly just how busy he was chasing everything. He's probably not. He's probably quite a good player to have on the field as well. Like you say, when it's back to the wall, I did think it was very Bielsa that we were up against the team and we were shitting ourselves about an aerial bombardment. So he I brought on. Shackleton up. So he brought on Pablo Hernandez, Jan Pavada, and Jamie Shackleton. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that? Five eight five seven and maybe five five for Shackleton. <laughs> Oh, poor Jamie, he's been overtaken by Leif Davis at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, with Shackleton, at least having someone with his sort of pace, if nothing else, it, it's a way to get the ball up the field a bit quicker and, and relieve a bit of pressure. But, uh, you know, in, in a couple of his appearances this season, and, and certainly I think his best one so far has been, has been the Villa game. But I, I do think from his appearances so far... It, I think a start for Shackleton wouldn't be without merit. Oh no, it wouldn't be without merit. I don't see it being this next game because I think That's I think we can get away. I feel like you could say I don't see it being this season with it being yeah, flick. True. But, um but yeah, I think this next game we will be able to get away with having a really attacking midfielder. Because they'll the only midfielder they'll have that'll really push on, you'd think it'd become a Gallagher and that'll be Phillips' yeah. job. Uh, but coming on to that game, Tuesday, which I'll just say is the 29th because no one has a clue what day of week it is at the minute because it's right <laughs> after the new year. Uh, I now, before I forget, uh, Andrew Dalton, LUFC Stats, just put some on Twitter just before we started that I just thought was a brilliant stat. Tuesday, we'll see us end the year at the same ground with the same opposition for the first time since 1938 when we started and ended the year with Charlton Athletic at Elland Road. Oh, oh I love game. that. His first game this season was the 1-1 away at the Hawthorns and ending there as well. If I remember right, that's the one where... The, the only thing I really remember from that game is like a freeze frame of Bamford taking a shot across goal with people saying... you should Like with the photo with about two other players... In shot saying he should have pulled it back. If I remember that, rightly that, that, one. that does ring a bell, but the thing I remember is that Enketia started that game and did no, and Bamford came on. And even though it was an own goal, it was his header that got deflected in like almost as yeah. touch. So that, that's the thing that I remember. But was yeah, that uh, his last game. Um. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that was his little farewell because we. I think we all knew he was getting recalled at that point. But yeah, that was a. 
It was a big result at the time as well. And this one, obviously, it's another one where we need another game. Uh, West Brom have had two games under Big Sam. Obviously, Billich got a draw at Man City and got sacked. Uh, yeah. But it, it was for other reasons than that. I mean, he's been on verge. He's been falling out with board the whole time as well, apparently. So that's one of the reasons why it was always going to happen. Uh, there was shite at home to Villa, got a man sent off, got beat 3-0 and created 0.04 XG, which is pretty terrible. Uh, but earlier today, and I have only seen like maybe half of this game, uh, but they got a 1-1 draw at Anfield, where Liverpool had like 80% possession and only had two shots on target, which sounds... <laughs> so I'm assuming that there was just a bank of six on the edge of a box, and then a bank of three in front of them and Carl and Grant. It's uh, I've got I've got some of the stats here for you from the game. So Liverpool had seventeen shots to to West Brom's five, two on target to West Brom's three, seventy nine percent possession. Liverpool had seven hundred and seventy three passes to West Brom's two hundred and thirteen. Mm. Uh, pass accuracy of eighty eight percent to West Brom's fifty six. Um. Well, that sounds like that sounds like big Sam, but you know, it's one of them. I don't, I would not want him managing Leeds United under any circumstances. But Sam Allardyce is good at the thing that he does. Uh, he'll make them hard to beat. He'll get them good at set pieces, which it, you know is obviously they're already good at set pieces with Bartley and Ajayi. I mean, that was their goal and Ajayi header uh, today. Eight, I've, the few times I've watched them play. I've actually been like I thought I don't, I don't know if it's semi or shemi now because I've heard it both ways during commentary but I've I've always said semi because there is it isn't SH but it might be yeah. SH because um, I thought Ajay had a good game against Man City when, when I watched that game um, obviously always thought quite highly of Kyle Bartley you know just the issue for him now is just lack of legs yeah uh, with his injuries but um I thought it was interesting the other day, actually, listening to Big Sam talk, and he was on about, I think he'd gone to watch the under-23s and and was saying how a lot of them had let themselves down. And I thought it was a very interesting way to, you know, I know he's new into the club and maybe he's just trying to light a fire under some of them, but very interesting way to talk about players in the under-23s letting themselves down and pushing for places. Because, like, you know, I feel like he's going to get to January and look for two or three experienced Premier League players and and fill that out. But Tongi, Brownie. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, J- I, JJ, Yori. That's the thing. It's hard to believe that. I, Ivan Camper. We look at him now as and he does what he does. But like I remember like really liking Sam Allardyce when I was young. Because I love JJ Akotcha and Yuri Jokai <laughs> And he was the one bringing him over so I could watch him. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very weird in hindsight. How do you get that? Mario Jardel locked up. <laughs> like, like, do you think it was like Warnerquals with, with Rob Snodgrass of just, listen, I'm going to organise these 10 players here. Robert, go do whatever you feel like. Do it. Here's the captain's armband. You do you, son. You do you. I'll just make sure Brownie and Tongi are secure in the middle, yeah? yeah. But uh, the, uh, obviously, they'll do it. They've set up in a 4 1 4 1 for both the games. It's very different to our 4 1 4 1. Theirs has four I defenders. A, I bet it's a lot less flexible. Yeah, theirs has four defenders, ours has two. Uh, <laughs> um, but they'll they'll sit deep in a low block. They'll knock long balls forward. They'll look to counter. Carl and Grant up front, who. I've just had a thought. I'm fairly sure I picked the championship top scorer. <laughs> because I think that they signed him from Huddersfield after we did our predictions. <laughs> ah, well. Uh, but I, I obviously, rate, I do rate him. Um, Connor Gallagher in midfield is a good player. Mateus Pereira's good, but I'm not sure if Sam Allardyce is going to be able to get the best out of him. Especially if he's playing four one four one, there's no number ten in that, so he'll probably have to play him at wing. Yeah, but he's a very creative, good player. Uh, 
Renee Sawyer's in middle of midfield is really, you know, dictates a game where he's passing, but I'm assuming the ball's going to get launched straight, straight over the midfield now. So I was going to say, because Jake Livermore's not going to be in that team anyway. He's, he'll be suspended, won't he? Yeah, he'll still be suspended. The uh, very good players. Obviously, we've mentioned Ajay and Bartley. I, I, I do rate both of them. Uh, and Sam Johnson in goal's a good keeper. But they haven't got... I wouldn't say they've got anything to be scared of other than at set pieces. But by the way, just to go back to your pick for championship got top goal scorer, I was going to say well, that doesn't mean you can just pick whoever's top of the championship goal scoring ranks now as your new pick. Uh, but you can't do that anyway because that is my pick. <laughs> so, so you will have to go with second Adam Armstrong. <laughs> no, I'm just going to stick with Cal and Grant. It happens. It's fine. <laughs> or, do, or is it because he's division above? His goals actually count double towards that score. <laughs> yeah, well, in a Sam Aldas team, that means he might have a chance of getting six. Uh, yeah, just, um, to, just to mention by the way because we we glossed over it because it was a penalty 10 goals in 15 games yeah no. No, another another good stat I heard states the quickest a player has got to double figures for us since I, it, I, I don't know if it was in the top flight it was in the top flight it was in the top flight since Mark Viduka's first no, it won't have been his first season because it took him ages to score, didn't it? Yeah, it was... Was the, it the second season when he got to 11 in 15 games or something like that? Well, in that se- in the season they're on about, he got 10 in his first nine. Ah, oh, that was it, sir. So, yeah. Yeah, he went he went off on one. Uh, I'm assuming that it's... Um, it must have just... One, I'm pretty sure I read it and it was just in the Premier League, but Beckford had a couple of really hot starts. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like... Tried- Chesor Candle had a fantastic start to League One. Yeah. Scored a fucking great goal in a scout shitter. What? Uh, wow. It really tailed off there. You start with Patrick Bamford, it goes up to Mark Viduka, it drops down a bit to Jermaine Beckford, then we finish. Then, well, I finished it with Trezor Candle. You say it goes up to Mark Viduka. By end of this season, you never know. Ray is going. Again, it's, it's the stick that some people still beat Bamford with. And, and, and I've said before, my mum really doesn't like him. I, I don't know if she doesn't like his face. The idea that I've joked about him being a Tory and she's taken that on personally. <laughs> um, but yeah, brilliant. I, you know, I don't think any of us would have predicted him to have this strong of a start this season. No, I think I was... He's, not, I think he's beaten the amount of goals I, th- I think I predicted for him this season. You may well have done. I think I was, I was one of the more optimistic. I think I said like 15-ish. I don't know if I even back. I don't know if I even backed him for double figures. I don't know if at no. that point I was still living in the world that Rodrigo was actually going to be our number nine, and we were going to blast our way there yeah, with, over the league. And Pat was was barely going to play. Yeah, on the subject of strikers, we have had a question from Jason. Did you did you take any pleasure in watching Chris Wood be so ineffective? Uh, not really, because I don't really give a shit about Chris Wood anymore. Uh, I backed Bamford for seven goals this season, so uh, I'm going to be losing some points at the end of the year by the looks of things. Yeah, uh, what it's worth, on Chris Wood, I, I don't... I wouldn't go as far as saying I hate him, but he refused to play, so I dislike him. And if he'd have just kept quiet and not put out that wanky statement in his notes off, on fucking Twitter... Just, yeah, very, all, very much resurfaced today. Yeah, we all knew he was going, and that's why you want playing. And we just thought, well, he's going, so he ain't playing, but no one wants him to get injured just before his move. Don't and tell no us one, you did that. No one would have thought twice about it until he came out and said, I don't feel I should play with this dream <laughs> move to Burnley on the horizon. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> No. I, I did love all the people calling him an Aussie cunt all day. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter that everyone knows he's from New Zealand. Just no, you Australian fuck it. It's the best part about that when you've been called a cunt and you're sat there thinking, I'm not Australian though. <laughs> yeah. Um, for this game, obviously, Juventus is not going to be fit, he's already said. Can you see any changes? No, no, not while Urente's not fit. We'll be back in 4 1 4 1, but it'll just shift Phillips back into midfield and 
and uh, Click will go a bit further forward. Yeah, yeah, I think it should be simple enough. And and like you say, it'll be... It's always teams that sell like this that worry me at this point, the teams that that are going to have what will feel like a back nine playing against us. And, you know, I feel like we'll have loads of possession in the middle third and then just be forced wide, but be fairly ineffective. Yeah. You know, it's again, and again, that's, that's the, what Wigan has done to me that game. That one game has really scarred me for life, but um, no, like you say, hopefully with us being on the front foot a bit more, Rodrigo can, can get into this a little bit more. He won't have to worry too much about having to tra- uh, track back or anything like that. Um, Con- I mean, Connor Gallagher has been all right for them so far this season and, and Carlin uh, Grant. Oh, yeah, I would say Grant's decent. I did when I was going through the decent players before, I did forget to mention Grady Dean Garner. Mm. Who I also think I think he's a really good player as well. Uh, I forgot yeah. to mention. But again, re- realistically, if we if we play our game, and, and dare I say, as you know, we leave ourselves a little bit open. But if you can't leave yourself a little bit open against someone playing as defensively as they're going to be, I don't know who you can. Um, and it's Shanks. I probably wouldn't have minded for a game like this having Luke Ayling back at right back because I think someone playing as deep as them suits him a bit more than it suits Stuart Dallas. Yeah. Um, Ayling is more willing to bring the ball out and come in field with it, which he will have room to... The right back, you would think, would have room to do in this game. Yeah. Um, But but again, I, I can't see us making any changes it'll be nice to have someone who I have more faith in like Rafinha to, to actually beat the full back and, and, and get into um, areas where we can hurt them. Cause I, I, that was always the, the issue with Costa last season was that he never really backed him to consistently get by his man. Um, whereas I've got a lot more faith in Rafinha to do that. Har- Harrison, I think, will do his his job of of sticking to the line and hopefully getting some decent crosses in. Yeah. Um, well, the wide battle it'll be Harrison will be against Darnell Furlong, and Rafinha will be against Kieran Gibbs in all likelihood. Mm. Furlong, I haven't really seen enough of Furlong. I know he's young, he's quite quick and stuff, but I haven't really seen enough. I back Rafinha against Gibbs. Yeah, Kieran, Kieran Gibbs is solid if unspectacular as a fullback. You know, I think it's very much probably at his level at this stage. Um, I guess I think we just have to be smart about how we how we get play the ball in. And I think teams like this, if we can get to the byline and and get some decent pullbacks in, because if we start putting crosses in, we're not really going to be competing with players like Kyle Bartley realistically um, but you know Rafinha's shown quite a few you know in his appearances now that he can, he does have that ability to get by his man and, and, and pull a decent ball back and this will be a great time for Click to not smash one over the crossbar yeah um, I, I just I just think much like I mean when we played him last season I thought player for player they had they had bigger names, but I thought we were just better than them. Even though they had a couple of individual players that really stood out. Uh, now that we've signed a couple, I really do think that we've just got an edge over these. Yeah, and I, I do wonder now if if someone like Pereira, who who looked fantastic last season, if with him not having as much as the, as much time on the ball as he did last season, and, and with him having to compete at a higher level now if he's maybe lost a little bit that confidence and a little bit the swagger that he had last year. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously today they're against Liverpool so they really defended and he was on the bench. Yeah, And he came on and got the assist with set pace. Mm. But I just I just can't see him... I can't see him playing his best football under Sam Allardyce. No, there's it's the one thing with with Sam Allardyce. There's not many passengers, is there? Uh, where these days you don't really see 
which I always found funny with Warnock's like someone like Warnock was always prone to having like a Tarabd in there or someone like that who as I mentioned earlier with Snodgrass where they were kind of left to do what they do best and, and let the rest of the team kind of play to play to the script um there's big Sam you don't really see that so much these days no uh, so this has actually gone slightly longer than I thought it would. Um, but I guess all there is is the predictions. So what do you reckon it'll be on Tuesday? I'm gonna I'm gonna go confident as always. I'm gonna say a three-one win. That's exactly what I was gonna say. So I'll go for something different. Oh, uh, three schmun. No, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go three nil. Oh, uh, I think. If we get if we can get the first goal, I think when if they come out at us, they're in trouble. Yeah. Like, so I I I think it's just a matter of us getting the first goal, but I think we will. I I do think that we're better than West Brom. Uh but there is always that Allardyce factor of then, you know, leads 75% of the ball, 20 shots, lose one nil. There is always that possibility, but I do think we'll have this. I think we'll win three 0 it's amazing how how much a scrappy one 0 win over Burnley, where you were the, where you were the second best by a distance in the second half. Amazing how much confidence that can give you. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems fairly unjustified as confidence goes. Um, I mean, our our form, Christ. If you look through our last few games, it's all over the place. If you go. 4-1 loss to Palace, 0-0 with Arsenal, 1-0 over, oh, win over Everton, 3-1 loss to Chelsea, 2-1 loss to West Ham, 5-2 win against Newcastle, 6-2 defeat, 1-0 win. Yeah. But, oh, God. I tell you, if oh. you're trying to look for a betting pattern, we are we are not the club to look for. No, we are all over, we are all over the shop. I just wonder if I can quickly find that. Did you see, and I just want to plug the guy that did it, basically. Did you see all of those statistical maps that came out the other day? No. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that... Yeah, there we are. Oh, they, they were. That's That makes it easy. Uh, ben Mayhew, Experimental361 on Twitter, who is very, very good, and his XG stuff is really good. But he did, um, like, you know, shots taken versus shots faced. In yeah. fact, let me just try and do the screen share thing, see if it'll work. Uh Share screen. Uh, no. Wait, is that coming up? Uh, let me have a look. I can't see anything, but... Yeah, because that's the problem, you see. I haven't really tried before to do this, but I'm going to give it a go because it just shows how, how mental leads are. Yeah, I, well, I, I was going to say, I have no idea what's happening. No, that's the problem you see. We can, that's the problem you see that we can't see as. But basically, I'm, Ben Mayhew's ones, but there's like quiet attack, busy defence in top left. But top right, there's busy attack, busy defence. And we are nowhere near anyone else. Yeah. Because we are so far across compared to everyone else. Thumbs up. If I click on that and click share, I believe that oh, that is now working. Oh. Right, cool. Sorry, I, I had to try and work it out, but so yeah, that's just us over here by ourselves. Right, come on, Marcelo, deliver your presentation. You know, like that. Basically, all I did was quote tweet these and say we're fun. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this, you know, ineffect, ineffectual and languid but score concept energetically wasteful i like that as a way of describing it <laughs> uh, but then defensive effectiveness biggest pushovers pushover <laughs> you know what i don't care where um, this is the best one. better attack worse defense a league of our own over here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah shout out to Ben Mayhew, uh, Experimental 361, who is very, very good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I know that works now. I can make use of that in future. As um, I'll go for the opposite to that. As you know, that's a uh, well-presented data. 
Um, I present to you, and I'm just trying to find his Twitter handle now, is uh, Lone White 101's. Oh, that's that fucked tw- ad. <laughs> 25, 25 reasons why uh, Bielsa should be out. Uh, that I believe the list actually got into the 30s. I I, I I choose to believe that that is someone on the wind-up. They've been at it for really? years. <laughs> I mean, I'm very much concerned, because much like our name as a podcast, starting out your Twitter name with White and Right, and yeah. I'm assuming that's actually a Leeds reference more than anything. But uh, Well, if anyone has to give people the benefit of the doubt on that, it's this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think I think I only read as far as number five, and it said we won the championship because we had a three-month rest, which did make it sound like everyone else didn't. Yeah, and also, and also, you know, it saved us because it's not like we'd won those last five without conceding at the point that COVID happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that I just I saw them and I wanted to plug them. Obviously, he doesn't need a plug off us. Experimental three six one is much much bigger than we are, and probably ever will be. But it was very. It's very good. Is he, six, is he six foot three? Who knows? No, and he's probably not as physically big as me in many ways. <laughs> None of them the complimentary oh, ones. Oh, I was about to say who were then, but I'll uh, I'll, yeah. I'll withdraw that. <laughs> no, um, but I think that'll do us. Uh, so we're both expecting a win. So go get your money on West Brom or draw. Uh, <laughs> uh, that'll do us for episode 97 at Mighty White's Podcast uh, we're on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod Facebook as well Mighty White's Podcast uh, we have a YouTube channel but all that is on it is the video of this so you probably don't need to watch it if you're listening to me speak right now uh, the stuff we write goes up on Through It All Together which is on Twitter at THIU it's all LUFC and Through It All Together at SBNation.com that also has a Facebook but I don't use it except for to repost this podcast uh, I think that that is everything that we need, Casey. Have we started? Uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Nice one. Well, that'll do us. I'll see you in a bit. Mm-hmm.